Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. You're happy to be in church. Make some noise this morning if you are alive and well. Man, it is so good. Uh, good to have you here. Good to be in the presence of the Lord, the presence of God more than anything else, right? Just, uh, just good to be in God's presence together. Glad you're, you're here. Welcome. We are uh, in a series that we're calling How Faith Moves as we've been identifying, discovering, exploring what it, what it means to have faith, to live with faith at a place we call faith. Uh, right here, even in our name, and so uh, glad you're joining us today. Last week, we, we shared just the, a handle to faith, what you hold on to in life's moments, because how many know sometimes life hits curves and moments in life, and we hold on to this, that he is God and he is good, and I want to talk today, not just the handle that we hold on to, but the step that we can take uh, as we live out this faith. Romans chapter 11 and chapter 12, not all uh, the entire chapters together, the end of chapter 11, beginning of chapter 12, I'm going to look at today as uh, we get started in this next, uh, se- this next series called How Faith Moves. Are you, are you ready to move? Ready to move? Ask your neighbor, are you ready to move? And I don't mean U-Haul. I do not want to do, no offense to U-Haul if you work in U-Haul or whatever, but uh, uh, your orange trucks give me nightmares, so... Uh, Anyway, uh, let's stand together and uh, take a look at this word in Romans chapter 11. Here's what it says, Paul, of course, writing this. Uh, if you want to guess the New Testament, who wrote it, just say Paul, and you're probably right 70% of the time. So this one is Paul. He wrote these words. He says, oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge, how impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways, for who can know the Lord's thoughts Who knows enough to give him advice and who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Come on, if you believe he deserves all glory and honor for it, why don't you just take a moment right now and give him some glory and honor. Lord, it's all yours. Paul ends it, he says, amen, and then he goes on. We know this as a letter he's writing, but I want to I lead into this, sex, this next part that he says here in chapter 12. He says, and so, dear brothers, and so, I want you to recognize this. He's saying that God is worthy of all glory. You're never going to understand him. You're not going to make sense of God. He's worthy of all glory. And so, brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Is there any new people in the room because you've come in contact with the presence of God and his, his power has changed you from the inside out? Anybody been changed by the power of God? You don't think the way you used to think. And I believe God's not done changing the way we think. He, he's, he's still teaching us and revealing. He says that God would change you. That way you would know And learn from God his will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect because of the privilege and authority God has given me. I give each of you this warning. It's a warning. 
He's giving you a warning today. Here's what he says to us. He says, so I give you this warning. I have the authority by God who's given me the authority as an apostle. Here is your warning. He says, I give you this warning. It's small print, y'all. I got to find it. Oh, here it is. All right. Don't think, <laughs> don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Don't think too big about yourself but we belong to God and we are part of a body that is God's kingdom, God's working. So Lord, here we are. We present ourselves to you, living sacrifices to be holy and acceptable. So Lord, I pray today that your spirit would speak to us, that God, we would know the will of God. I pray for clarity in the will of God, that we would walk in a way that is holy, that is righteous, that is pleasing, that all that we are would honor you in Jesus' name. If that's the desire of your heart, would you say amen? You may be seated this morning. Where are all the crazy drivers in the room? Are there any Jehus? Take note. Watch out, people. Uh, what color car are you driving? Where do you park? Uh, where are the Jehus? I love in, in the second Kings scripture says Jehu is anointed to be king and he goes out to do God's business. And one of the watchmen is on the top of the, the tower and he sees someone coming and he reports, he says, it's Jehu. Well, how do you know? And it says this because he drives like a maniac. Are there any Jehus in the room, they're crazy drivers. I, I don't know if you remember like me. I took uh, driver's ed. It's been over 20 years ago. Well, it's been almost 30 years. Let's be honest. It's about 30 years ago. Uh, it's just safer to say over 20 years, you know, but, but uh, it's been about 30 years ago I took driver's ed. I learned in driver's ed you're supposed to put your hands on the wheel at 10 and 2. How many know what I'm talking about? That at 10 and 2, if you don't have control of the wheel, you won't maneuver properly, and you've got to have a handle to get control or else it won't move in the proper direction. You've got to have control at 10 and 2, but someone smarter came along and did study. Someone actually studies this thing, people. Someone did a study and determined that 10 and 2 is not the best placement on the steering wheel, that it's supposed to be 9 and 3. Are there any educated 9 and 3 drivers who know the, the new rule? No, you're like me. I have no idea who makes this stuff up. I just drive, right? And so 9 and 3 is supposed to be the better option of holding the wheel because they've determined it's easier to pull and push the wheel when it comes to a turn than it is to do the whole crossover. You know, the crossover when you take her, they said it's easier to have control than if you nine and ten you can pull and push the wheel in a turn rather than doing the crossover. They also determined that it's safer because your hands are not in the position of 10 and 2 to get hit by the airbags because if the airbags deploy, they will crush your hands at the 10 and 2 so it's better to be 9 and 3. The point is you've got to have control of the wheel if you're going to maneuver, if you're going to make it through. Where are all the 10 and 2 drivers? This is how I learned and this is how I do it. Where are the 9 and 3? You've learned a better way and you've got gotten smarter any nine and three drivers in the room where are the ten, where are the straight up 12 I drive the way I want I mean where who who, who is that don't, don't forget the lazy eight you know the laid back I just just 
just doing my thing. The, any lazy eight drivers? God help us if we have any neon six drivers. You know what I mean? Just just the, the knee at six o'clock and just maneuver and just where the repentance. We have an altar right now. Raise your hand if you at one time in your life have driven with knee at six o'clock. Lord, I pray right now repentance that God you would deliver us from the insanity. Okay, I've done it once or twice. I mean, you've got to have control of the wheel if you're going to maneuver, if you're going to be able to make it. I want to talk today about how faith moves. And here at Faith Assembly, faith moves not on 10 and 2, not on 9 and 6, but faith moves not on, not on 9 and 3, but faith moves on 10 and 6. You see, we, we've been a part of this church now, moving already into its second generation, that we are a church over 40 years old that have uh, families from all across Fayette County and even across some of the borders with this passion and desire, reaching people to reach their purpose. What is this all about? It's everything that we do is this essence, this purpose, reaching people to reach their purpose in Jesus Christ. It's the heartbeat behind our Sunday services, behind point groups, behind serve teams, and everything else in between because it's about reaching people to reach their purpose. If we don't know the why, we'll get burned out on the what. If we don't know why we're doing what we're doing, we'll get burned out on, on, on the what we do and the essence of who we are. Before I talk about 10 and 6, what 10 and 6 means to drive and move in faith, let me just lay context to this whole idea that faith is not what we do, but faith is knowing who we belong to. Oftentimes, we associate faith with the things that we do. We have faith to accomplish something, faith to believe in God, absolutely, to believe that God can do things without a doubt, but it's first connected to faith allows me to know who I am in Jesus Christ. God does not approve of you because of what you do. God approves of you because he created you in his image. He loved you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He gave his life for your purpose to know him, to live with him, that his death and resurrection made way that made the impossible possible. And you cannot please God without faith. That faith is what God has given us to activate and to move upon. But if we're, if we're not careful, we, we sometimes get caught up in the what we do and miss the why. Here's why we do what we do. Why we do what we do at Faith Assembly, reaching people to reach their purpose. It's all connected back to the Great Commission. Jesus gave us the mission. He said, go into all the nations, go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He promises that he'll be with us as we teach them to obey everything that God has commanded. What is the commandment summed up in these two words? Love your neighbor or love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, your mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. If we were to sum up what faith is, faith is this. Faith Faith is the essence of knowing and believing that he is God, that he works all things on our behalf, that we know that the purpose of what we do is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and in doing so, it's centered around the commandment that is all summed up in knowing the love of God, loving him. The heart of it is why we do what we do is that we want to please God. We are driven with the desire to please God. Not with the desire to get his favor, to make him happy. You know, he's a good father. And a good father is happy not because their child did something, but because their child is. Because their child is with them in the presence of. There is this 
pleasure that God finds in you and I. God's not looking to be proud of you. He already is. He already loves you. You've been created to know the love of God. That is faith. Faith comes in and it revives in us what God created us in the image of God and the dead man comes alive. What were we dead to? We were dead to realizing how much God loved us and the value that we had and we tried to find it in other places. Raise your hand if you're part of your testimonies. You tried to find it in other places. And you, you tried to find it in other places, but you came alive because by faith you received what Jesus Christ did. You believed on him and it caused a dead man inside of you to come alive. And in coming alive, you became a new person. I love the reminder that God doesn't give us the, the faith and he doesn't cause us to have the ability to make bad people good. He makes dead people come alive. That we become a new person, a new creature in Christ. That the old is gone and we become new. How does this happen? Except by faith. It is by faith that we are saved. The grace of God that he's given us that by faith to believe on Jesus Christ, he's made it possible. So to operate in faith, the essence of it is realizing that we've got to have this handle. We said this last week, and here is the, the why to the what. The why is to please God, to do the will of God, recognizing that the handle of faith is this. And I hope that when you put your hands on the steering wheel, that that steering wheel becomes a reminder. And here's the reminder that you hold on to this truth of faith, that he is God and he is good. The Bible says in Hebrews that if anyone comes to him, he must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. What's the essence of that? He is God and he is good. How many know when life gets out of control, you got to remind yourself he's still God and he's still good. Come on, that is faith. Faith is not just believing that God will turn things around. That's good. But faith is believing even in the midst of where I am that he is God and he is good. And I will continue to declare the praises. If I'm in a prison like Paul and Silas, I, I pray God give me faith that I'll keep declaring the goodness and the glory of God. How many know that's a faith that is holding on that he is God and he is good. That we hold on to this. This is the handle of faith. Now here's the action of faith. The action is this. We've already recognized it where Jesus said in Matthew, he said as he was being asked the question, what is the greatest commandment? They wanted to test him. He wanted to put him on the spot. They said, what's the greatest commandment? You've got 500 and some to pick from. What's the greatest? Jesus knew right away. He summed it right up. The greatest commandment is the first one. What's the first one? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, your mind, and your strength. And the second is equal to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So here's the action that everything I do is because of my love for God and my love for people. This is the essence of the will of God, that I'm driven by wanting to please and give glory and honor to God. Is that the drive of our life? Because that's what moves faith. Faith is moved with this heart desire to please and honor God. Faith is not trying to get God to move. Faith is recognizing he is already worthy. As the scripture we just read, there's no, he doesn't owe anybody anything. He can't pay anybody back. How many know you've never given anything to God on loan? You've never lended him anything. There's nothing that he has need of. He's not borrowed anything that you're waiting to get back from him. He has provided everything. He is sufficient in himself. And faith is to believe that he's God that he's good, and to step into that faith that's driven by my love for God and my love for people. This is what we call the will of God, the will of God, that we need to be people who are walking in the will of God. Let me ask you today, are you walking in the will of God? 
Sometimes we'll ask that in a context of, you know, what is my purpose in life? What am I supposed to do? And what is it that I'm supposed to do? Teen, you know, teenagers get to stages in life. They got to think about future goals and future plans and what is the will of God. We tend to associate the will of God with action steps. But before their action steps, the will of God is not what you do. The will of God is who you are. To be in Christ, the will of God is to know who you are in Christ, to respond to his word, and it produces action, but the will of God is more than what you do. The will of God is who you are. The will of God is being content and, and satisfied in, in him and being surrendered to his purpose, his will that is in our lives, that we are surrendered to what he wants. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Confident trust is the description that we gave to faith. We can never give a definition. How do you define faith? There's no definition to faith, just like there's no definition to love, but there is a description. And the description of faith is to have confident, complete and confident trust in God. This is the description of what faith is. And he says this in Hebrews chapter 10, don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward he brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised you. I want to just summarize here real quick what is involved in the will of God. How many want to be in the will of God? How many want the will of God to bring glory, to bring pleasure, to bring glory to God that we're in the will of God? Here's what it is. It consists of first, it's a faith that is received from God. You've got to have a confident trust that faith comes from God. God gives you faith. You don't work up faith. You don't earn faith. You don't produce faith. You receive faith as a gift from God. God has given that to you. It starts with the stirring, the drawing. When God begins to speak to your heart with conviction, how many are thankful for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit that he speaks to you, he convicts you, he moves in you, he orders your steps. That is faith that responds to that. God has put that faith inside of you and you receive faith and now the next step to that is obedience. There's an obedient response. That's a patient endurance. It's a patient endurance that we endure to continue to step in the process of what God has called us to. We receive faith, we walk in obedience, and then it's glory revealed. The glory revealed is God's appointed time that he reveals his power and his presence in our lives. I don't know if there's anyone in the room who can relate to this, but I've been holding on to a promise from, from God, and I'm still holding on. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm waiting for God to reveal his glory, and I'm still holding on. Is there anyone in the room that you're still holding on to a hope and a promise that God has given us? You say, well, I don't know what it is. Let me give you one. We all have it. That one day for me to die is to be with Christ, that I will be in the presence of the Lord for and forever. Is there anybody who's holding on to a hope and a promise? Now listen, God does more than just, well, hold on and wait to die. Amen? That in the meantime, he's given us things that he's ordering our steps, that there's the will of God that he wants us to walk in. But the ultimate will of God is that where I am, you may be also, Jesus said. That where I am, you can be in my presence. It is my will, my desire to create a place for you. This is the will of God. So here's the why of what we do. The essence of this importance is that many people in faith have been burned because they put the what before the why. They burn out. They got candles burning at both ends. And they're doing all kinds of things for God. They're active, they're involved, they're serving, they're working. It's wonderful, it sounds good, but if your what is going before the why, you're gonna burn out quick. 
You're going to get to a place of what's this worth? What's it doing? What's it producing? But the why must always be at the heart. And here's the why. Because I love Jesus. Is there anyone else in the room who believes he is worthy of everything we've got? That he's worthy of every breath? That every moment I wake up, my thought is on him. My heart belongs to him. I make decisions with him in mind. Everything I am is to the glory of God. This is the heartbeat that drives. That it's all to God's glory. We've got to put the why before the what, or the what will burn you out. The what will make you say, is this really worth it? I've been in full-time ministry now for 23 years. I know I look way too young for that. I, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and there have been moments, it's, God, is it worth it? Can I just be honest with you? There have been moments I've sat in places and done ministry and counseled, and there are moments like, God, is it worth it? Because, God, I, 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 I'm, I'm giving counsel. I'm giving what I can. I'm praying. And it doesn't always see the effect. And, God, is it worth it? And in my quiet time, the Lord reminds me, you didn't do it for effect. You did it because my hand is on you. My heart, your heart belongs to me. You do it not because of what you gain. You do it because you are mine. And being mine is all that matters. I do this for Jesus. And how many know if it's for Jesus? I'll get up and do it again tomorrow. And I'll do it again today after that and I'll do it again the day after that day because everything we are belongs to him now there's sometimes we put this in the category well that's extreme Christianity you know that's the people who really live on the extreme here's the problem with the what before the why without the why you always think it's optional part of the danger in the American culture in the American church is that we've made faith and Worship an option. It's optional. You pick and choose. You pick how it fits you. You pick the customized package. You know, you can get your car off the computer. Customize it just the way you want. And it'll show up just like you like it. You know what we've done with God? God, I want the faith that is just the way I like it. Just the model. I want it to have the right trim and the right tools and gizmos and gadgets. I want it to look good that when I go by, everybody looks at me and says, whoa, look at that faith you're rocking. Whoa. We created options, and there is no option. The option is this, take up your cross daily. Follow after me. For I have been crucified with Christ. And nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Church, I'm just telling you, he's worthy of everything I've got. Is there anyone else in the room who would just declare and in a moment say, God, you're worthy of it all. Man, if we had the band here, I'd say, just start playing. You're worthy of it all because you are. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things and to you are all things because you deserve the glory. Man, I just feel like we need to take about five seconds seconds right now. Come on, declare the glory of the Lord in this place. Come on, declare the glory. Come on, thank you. Thank you for where he's brought you, what he's sustained you in. He's kept you. He's met you in your point of need. You were at a low spot, but he reached down and he showed you greatness and kindness. All oh, the goodness of God, it drives me.
The goodness of the Lord. It's the kindness of God that leads me to repentance. It's the goodness of the Lord. It's his kindness. Man, if you get the what in front of the why, you'll burn out. You'll think it's optional. But when the why is, Lord, you've got my heart, and you're worthy of everything I've got. And that's what drives the heartbeat. And so in order for us to move in the place of faith, sometimes there's some shifting we got to do. A couple weeks ago, uh, Pastor Mike spoke, and he told the story about someone on a motorcycle at a course that was told that while on the course, not to take it out of second gear, that individual unfortunately did not have the mindset to realize that when you get out into the real road, you're supposed to take it out of second gear. And if you were here for that sermon, he shared about that engine blew up. Because how many know if you don't shift, you're going to burn out? I want to give you some things that need to be shifted in moments, sometimes for our faith to be engaged that we can move in its proper order. Here's number one. In order for our faith to be shifted or some things that need to shift to be in the will of God. How many say today, I want to be in God's will. I want the will of God. I want to, I want to please God. I want, and by pleasing God, it's not work. It's not anything of strenuous. It's just being in his presence and allowing the leading of his spirit in our everyday lives. I want the will of God. Here's number one, the shift that we've got to make. I feel like Vanna White right now, but it's not working. There it is. We've got to shift from understanding to pleasing. You see, we tend to want to make sense of it before we move. Any guilty parties in the room? We already read in verse 33 of chapter 11 that it is impossible to understand God. That's the text that we read. Here's what I want you to hear. It's impossible to understand God, but it's very possible to please God. Because the purpose to which we're moving is not to understand God, because that'll never happen. But if your purpose is to please God, I believe he will give you revelation in the process. That you'll gain revelation in the pursuit of pleasure of pleasing God, but you won't find pleasure in the pursuit of understanding God. Because if you try to understand God, you will frustrate yourself. How many have ever tried to understand God's ways and you just start going like, God, what is going, this doesn't make sense. Come on, anybody know him? You try to understand God, you'll frustrate yourself, but you try to please God, he'll give you understanding in the process. There, there's this pursuit of, of pleasing God, that we desire this, to, to please the Lord. Of course, we already read that we've got to please God. If we're, going to, if, if we're going to please God, it requires faith, which means it's possible to please God. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, don't worry about anything. How many know worry is probably the thing that's causing us to drive to understand? We want understanding because there's, on the outskirts, there's a worry. And so because I've got a worry, I'm trying to detour the worry by getting understanding. How many have driven that way in your faith? Well, if I can make sense of this, then it can alleviate the worry. No, making sense of it, understanding doesn't alleviate the worry. Worship does. You think understanding will alleviate the worry? No, it won't. Understanding will just open the door to more worry, more concern, more questions. But what alleviates worry is worship. He says here, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds everything we can understand. This is also, you may have heard it this way, peace that passes all understanding. You can have a peace that doesn't make sense. Do you know how you get a peace that doesn't make sense? By living with a faith that doesn't make sense sometimes. If your faith makes sense, then your peace probably does too. 
But if you want a peace that's beyond understanding, it requires a, a faith that is set to please God. He says his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. Oh, church, we need his peace to guard our hearts and our minds. In this hour and in this day, he says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts. Let me encourage you in this right here. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. That our minds would not think to try and figure out understanding but our mind would think to the things that give glory and worship and honor to God. That God's will is not found in understanding God. God's will is when we shift from trying to understand to pleasing. Because there's something about delighting in him and wanting to please him. Here's number two. That the shift that needs to be made from a shift of understanding to pleasing, we need to shift from routine to reasonable. Routine simply means to go through the motions, to not put thought into it. If you don't have to think about it, you just do it out of routine. There's no thought. But the difference here, when Paul is writing, he says, this is your spiritual act of worship or a reasonable act of worship. Some translations say reasonable. It's reasonable. Now, reasonable not because it makes sense. It's reasonable because I put some thought into it. I gave it some reason. And the reason is he's worthy. He says, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to be holy and acceptable to God. For this is your reasonable act of worship. It's reasonable because in view of everything that God has done for me, I'm now doing what I do with God in mind. That I'm not just going through the motions, but when you put God in mind, it changes everything. Your bad day turns into a different day when you put God in mind. Because when you put God in mind, you begin to recognize, God, what do you want to show me through this situation? What do you want to show me through this inconvenience? What do you want to show me through this season of my life? What do you want to cause to come out of me in this moment, in this situation? When you put God, the Bible says in Proverbs, a book of wisdom, he says, do not lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge, recognize, consider, give thought to God, and he will make your path straight. He'll cause your crooked path to become straight, your valley to be raised up, your high place to be torn down. He'll cause your feet to move in a direction that he'll bring about the purpose that he wants in your life in your difficult place. God will bring it about for good if we walk in a place of not routine, but we bring God into mind. Don't just let God be on your mind when you come to church. Sometimes that's even hard enough for some of us. Because we come to church and what's on our mind is, well, what's after this? And sometimes God doesn't even get our mind then. But you know what? Faith and living and moving in faith is when God has my mind regularly. I like going to bed. This is not to sound holy and spiritual. This is just a gauge in my life. I evaluate what's on my mind when I fall asleep and what's on my mind when I wake up. I am conscious, conscious and aware of what's on my mind when I go to sleep and what goes on, what's on my mind when I wake up. Because if I wake up to something other than the goodness of God, it says to me, hey, spirit, you need to get in the right place because you're allowing other things to become a distraction because I want my first thought to be God. This is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Now, if you say that sounds hyper-spiritual, hyper that is my goal and my gauge in life. That the way I wake up, the way I lay down, and the way I wake up, I want God on my mind the last thing when I fall asleep, and I want him on my mind the first thing when I wake up. Well, aren't you just so spiritual, Jason? You're just such a spiritual person, so spiritual, so, ooh. 
No, I want my life to walk in a place of God. I want everything I am to please you. How do I know that when I reach places in life that I don't know how I respond like bombing in Ukraine? Has anyone else thought about this? God, what would I do if we were the country? God, what would my response be? Do you know what I want my response to be? The Lord is my shelter. The Lord is my refuge. The Lord is my strong tower. You know, I want that to be my response, but guess what? The likelihood of it being my response in those moments will be because of the discipline of my heart to make it my response in everyday moments. And not just routine, but in reasonable act of service. Am I making sense to anybody this morning? Speaking of Ukraine, there's an assembly of God worker that is serving in Ukraine, and he has stayed behind in Kiev. He is in this, the capital city. He was on a phone call, a video call last week, and um, we're praying for the devastation, the work that's there. Um, here's what I know. I don't know politics, and quite honestly, politics are of the, okay, not completely of the devil, um, but when they drive everything, that's not God's will. Here's what I do know. Innocent people are dying, and that is not the will of God. There's evil at work. There's evil, and God is a healer. I want you to see this, uh, this video because he brings this point. The question was asked, what does the church need to know and how to pray in these times? I don't know that he ex- exactly answered the question. I think he brought it to a heartfelt moment. And as the worship team comes, I want you to hear these words It doesn't mean we're done yet, but I want you to hear this as we continue and get ready to wrap up this morning. What are we considering? Are we giving a reasonable act of service? Fortunately, a lot of times in life, it's a tragedy or a crisis that drives people to to think about God or even to consider God in certain cultures and backgrounds. And I think there's more people praying now than maybe in a lot of countries. Than, than have a force. So I think it's a tremendous opportunity when, when people begin to reflect on life and what it means. They realize work means nothing. They, they realize what they have is nothing because they lose it pretty quick. What do you have left? You have life. So I think there's uh, millions that are reflecting on what, you know, what is that life? What does that mean? What's afterlife? And I think that's going to be the opportunity that, that we have most of all to relieve personal suffering is necessary and good and great, but there's a place in, our, in each of our hearts that only God can feel. And a lot of people feel it with a lot of counterfeits, things that they think it feels good, this, this cause or that cause or... I don't want to name any causes because it would step on some toes, but you know, everybody finds a counterfeit. If, they, if, they, if they're trying to avoid God, they, they have that yearning, but they feel it. Right now, all those feelings have been ripped away. Um, and they have to face that question, what about God? I think that's our opportunity. Meet the physical need, and in doing so, empower ourselves to meet that the spiritual need of what about God?
What about God? We go through our lives, we go through our days, we experience the struggles, the things we have, but what about God? That we offer to God a reasonable act of worship, and that reasonable act of worship is to not be routine and just go through the motion, but the reasonable act of worship is to bring reason into our worship, and the reason we do everything we do is because God is worthy of it all. This is the reasonable act of worship. Here's the last one, the shift that we need to make, and that is that we need to shift from a place that we are in our own ability, in our own strength, that we're from a routine to being reasonable, but we go from being the center to being centered. That we go from being the center to being centered. I already alluded to this, but the danger within the church is that we celebrate individuality. We celebrate individuality and in that we, we customize and we've allowed ourselves to be the center of worship. Let's be honest. If it, it's the way I like it, if it fits how I think it ought to be, if it works with what I like, at the moment I don't like it, moment it doesn't suit me. How many know sometimes it can be so easy to forget and we make it, even in our culture, the, the seeker sensitive. And, and I know there's a place that if you come to Faith Assembly, I hope you feel welcome. I hope, hope you feel warm and I hope you feel at home here. But I hope more than that, I hope you feel the power of the Holy Spirit that will lead you, convict you, love you, walk with you and transform you. Because if all we ever feel is welcomed and loved but never challenged and changed, then how many know that's probably not really home? It's called a getaway. It's called a getaway. And is your faith just a convenient getaway in your life? I need my pick-me-up, my feel-good, my, my, my give-me-a-shot-of-a-devo that just helps build me up when I'm down? Or is our faith, God, search me, try me, see me? work in my life, transform me, cause me to come into alignment with you. God, help me to get out of the limelight because I don't want to be the center. I want to be centered in you. That we shift. This is the warning that Paul gave. Paul gave the warning and he said, don't think too highly about yourself. Can I just say to you, be careful to not make it about you. He gives us this, this recognition. Don't, don't make it about you, but be careful of how we respond and how we operate. We might need to get out of the center and make it more about him. And Lord, this is about you. It's unto you. It's for you. God, this is not about me. This is what you desire and what you want. There's a, um, there's a basketball team in town that uh, is on a pretty good run. They've gone into now entering the third round of states and the Laurel Highland Mustangs. I left the pause just in case somebody wanted to do the woo, woo. So there it was. It's fun watching winning teams. I'm not a basketball fan. I, 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 I don't even really uh, care for basketball, but I love a good, comp I love good competition. There's been some good games and it's fun to watch some of these local uh, local kids that are playing and just some talent. So I've been watching them regularly and thank God for uh, 
WMBS, make them available on uh, line, the little shout out for WMBS. And uh, someone got in my car one day and said, you listen to WMBS, you're an old man. I'm like, owned, I get it. I don't, I'm good with it. I like to hear what's going on in, in, in Fayette County, what's going on around. I, anyways, I listened to the games. We watch it on, uh, on, on Facebook Live. And, and I heard the, one of the commentators, he said, you know, one of the things that makes this team so good is that they know how to distribute the ball. No one has to be the showman. There are moments that individuals stand out, but they know how to move things around. You see, because on the court, at some point or another, you're going to touch the ball. At some point, hey, Ben, come on up here. At some point, you you can help me out here, Ben. At some point, your hands are going to, y'all want to pay attention now. These are soft, but at some point, the ball's going to come into your hand. Now, Ben, I did this in first service, and I felt so weak. Come on up here. Come on up here. Everybody give it up for Ben. Ben's one of our drummers. Ben, grab one of those balls there. and Because uh, at some point, you're going to touch the ball. Ben, throw it to that side. I'll throw it to this side. And uh, here we go. It hit the ceiling, so you gotta you gotta aim it down a little. Not at eyes. Do not do eyes. Okay, they're soft. But let's uh, just try again. At some point, the ball's gonna be in your hand, and that's all I got. So I can't go any further. And uh, you want this? I know you do. Did y'all hear that? That was my wife. She missed it, and she said that was a bad throw. That's what 25 years of marriage. I'm just kidding. She's right. It was a bad throw. It was a good catch. At some point, just throw two or three more out, and you can go have a seat. At some point, you're going to have a hand on the ball. Y'all look out. He is lining a man. Like, you better have heads up. Thanks. Hey, Ben, did you get one? Okay, I'm just going to say this. If we had softball teams, the first service would beat the second service. I mean, they had hands in the first service. I just offended a whole bunch of people in the room now. (laughs) Oh, yeah, wait till I come back next week. I'm bringing my glove. uh, At some point, this ball's getting in your hand. The Bible says that God has given us a measure of faith. Here's how faith is measured. Faith is measured by what are you doing with what God gave you. If you feel the need of it's about me, my ball. You know what they call those? Come on, somebody knows it. Ball hog. We don't like ball hogs on this team. I need the recognition. I need, and sometimes not even the recognition. I want to make sure it fits me. It works with my schedule. It's about me because, you know what, I love Jesus, but he doesn't have the priority. He's not the center my world is. And I just let him revolve in it. Oh. Oh. Is he the center of everything? God, everything I have. Yeah, God, I got a job, but it revolves around you. God, I've got a family, but it revolves around you. God, I've got hobbies, but it revolves around you. God, I've got skills and talents, but it revolves around you. What have you put? Because listen, anything other than God at the center, you're a ball hog. That sounds rude. Okay, thank you. (laughs) 
Michonne said it's true. Take it up with her. You don't want to, trust me. <laughs> you don't want to do that. What is it in this, this moment God is giving the ball and there's times that God, it's not me, but when it's time, the goal, here, here's, here's the thing. Too many times we forget that it's the effectiveness of the work that is more important than the opportunity of the individual. Let me say that again. The effectiveness of the work is more important than the opportunity of the individual. You see, what we celebrate is the opportunity of the individual. You know how that's measured? Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets, that's just not reality. See, you've got gifts at a measure and a different measure, and it's not about you shining. It's about the kingdom advancing. It's not about your feel-goods. It's not about, and so how does faith move? Faith moves on 10 and 6. We don't move on 10 and 2. We don't move on 9 and 3. We move on 10 and 6. What's 10 and 6? That if we're going to be in the will of God, how many know it would matter to start with giving God what belongs to him? And the things that belong to God of who we are is our resources and our time, our tithe and our time. And so the 10 and 6, how does faith move? How do we do things? There's a practical side to how we get things done. Here's number one. It takes resources and it takes energy. How many know that you have resources and you have energy? Some are like, I ain't admitting that. <laughs> I don't want to get roped into anything. No, our time and our resources, we say to God, God, it belongs to you. Here's what we, what we say at Faith Assembly. We move on 10 and 6. Here's 10 and 6. 10% and 6 days. What's 10%? 10% is naturally the tithe. It already belongs to God. It's obedience to give God 10%. What if everybody who calls himself a part of the faith family gave God their tithe? I know some in the room are like, well, we give more than that. Yeah, that's called generosity. And I think the goal ought to be to get to generosity, but it starts with obedience. God, everything I have belongs to you. How do I know? Because the tithe is yours and I'm giving it back to you. What if we gave God 10%? You say, well, where do you get six days? Well, I get six days because as a team, we said, what does it look like? What are we realistically asking? What is a reasonable act of service? What are we realistically asking of people at Faith Assembly? Here's what we said. The ministries and everything we do, all for the purpose of reaching people to reach their purpose in Jesus Christ. And so our desire is that we would be a part of our worship service, that we would be a part of a serve team at least once a month. People serving on a serve team, sitting in a service, not just serving, but coming to church and serving, being involved in a point group. What would it look like if we were realistically saying, what's it look like to be involved in the life of Faith Assembly? And we added it up. We said for people to come to church on a regular Sunday, not on the sunshiny Sundays, not on the I got an extra hour of sleep Sundays, but on the every Sunday. And we actually did say this. I think we said this. Let's take two Sundays off because, hey, you ought to have a vacation. Now, I don't mean a vacation from church. I mean, you ought to go away and you're just not around. And so there's room for that. Absolutely. We added all that up to serve on one day, to be a part of a service on a weekly basis, to be a part of a serve team and be a part of a point group. We added all that up and it came to six days. We thought that was pretty interesting because how many know the scripture says that God gave us six days to work and one day we added it up, a 24 hour that if you gave God Attending church on a regular basis, it's like giving God six days out of a year. How many believe he's worthy of six days out of a year? Now, let me just put a disclaimer. And this is a moment to give honor and thanks. The Bible says give honor to whom honor is due. Our worship team 
would exceed the six days because there's three services on a regular Sunday. And so would you just help me in honoring our worship team? Man, so I get there's some disclaimers in there. There's some, but what if everybody at Faith Assembly, what if we said, God, the ball is in my hand because of what you've given me, but I'm not a ball hog. I'm gonna give you 10 and six. 10% in six days. What would it look like? I think it would look like faith moving at a whole different level. You say, well, aren't we already doing that? Absolutely, but I think there's more for faith to grow. I think there's room for faith to exceed. You say, well, what, does the church need money? I gotta be honest with you. The church is in its best financial situation it's ever been in. To the glory of God. But the vision and the dream of where God's calling us to go Point Marion, Brownsville, Del Vernon, new property. How many know that takes resources? But we already know God's already given us everything we need. We just need to honor him with what he's given us. Come on, somebody say amen. He's already given us what we need. He's never going to ask us to step in faith to do something. He's never provided the, the, the resources and things we need. He's already given it to us. And so here's what I want to do today. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to pray. And at the end of this prayer, we're going to be dismissed. The worship team's going to leave. But you may have noticed we've got six cylinders up here with basketballs in them. They're just these small basketballs. In the lobby, we have how faith moves, and there's basketball hoops that are set up. There's a QR code that you can click and look at being connected. You say, was the church in a desperate situation? No, we're in a place of being the church and part of being the church is engaging in each other's lives and getting together and being a part. And we're challenging us in this starting point. Give God. As you leave today, if you're a part of this faith family, would you consider giving to God 10%? And as you leave today, you can leave it in the offering, you can give online, whatever that would be. But as an ongoing, what if we gave God on a regular basis 10%? in six days, being connected. And so what we're gonna do after I pray, the worship team's gonna sing, and I'm gonna ask you, as God would lead you, forgive me, I said that. Do you know what I just said? If God would lead you? How stupid was that? If the Lord would lead you to do the things that he wants you to, if the Lord would, what? What I meant to say was if you're willing to obey the leading of the Lord, if you're willing to do the will of God, if you're willing, I'm gonna ask you to come up front, take one of these basketballs with you and take it with you this week to ponder and consider and say, God, what do you want me to do with what you've given me? Because it's yours. I'm not a ball hawk. It's not about me. What do you want me to do? And next week, you'll have some opportunities and we're gonna be sharing just some things that are happening. But I wanna pray for you how many want to be in the will of God? I mean that sincerely. God, I want to be in your will. I want to, I want to walk where you have me to walk. I want to walk in the doors that you've opened. Because how many know he's got doors that are bigger than you and I can even open? That he, he's the God of promotion. He's the God of advancement. He's the God of blessing. And as I pray and we say amen, they're going to sing. We're dismissed. But I'm going to encourage you, if you're willing, to come and say, God, I'm going to be a part of what you're doing. I'm going to give you 10 and 6. I'm a part of what you're doing, and faith is moving to the glory of God. Father, we are yours. I thank you for your spirit that is upon your people. 
I thank you that you speak to your church, that God, we are not ball hogs. We're not people in the center. We're people who say, Jesus, you're the center of it all. You're at the center. And so, Lord, we say, yes, I will. I'll give you praise. I'll give you glory. God, not because I'm trying to get anything from you, but because I recognize you are so good. You've been so good to me. You're such a faithful God, and you're worthy. So, God, I can't help but in view of your mercy to offer my body to you as a living sacrifice to be holy and acceptable. This is my reasonable act of service. So here I am, God. Use me. Let your will be done in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. If you're ready to move on 10 and 6, would you shout amen?